A brilliant engineer died one day and went to hell. And as soon as he got there, he started fixing the place up. And the most appreciated improvement was he installed a massive air conditioning system down there. And God took notice, and God said to the devil, what's going on down there? And the devil said, well, the engineer that you sent us, he's wonderful, and he's been fixing the place up. God said, that was a mistake. The engineer is supposed to go to heaven. You have to send him back up here immediately. The devil said, I'm not going to do that. God said, if you don't do that, I'm going to sue you. And the devil said to God, and where are you going to find a lawyer up there? Now, I'm, al I'm allowed to tell lawyer jokes because I was a lawyer, but also, also because today's gospel, it's very, very important as we, as, we, as we are trying to understand the parable of Good Samaritan, to understand that this was part of a dialogue that Jesus was having with a scholar of the law. Okay, now, scholars of, of the Torah are different than modern-day lawyers, but there's a lot of things that are similar, and I'll point out. Um, so this is very important. A scholar of law goes to Jesus to test him, right? So what does that mean? He, he's, you know, Jesus is a carpenter from Galilee. The scholar of law is thinking, you know, does this guy really understand the intricacies of the Torah? Let's, let's see if he does. So he begins with a, a broad question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns it around and asks him, well, what, how do you read the law? How do you understand the law? And he says, love God with all your being and love your neighbors yourself. Now, Jesus gives this, this young lawyer a way out. He gives him an easy exit ramp because he says, you have answered correctly. Now, do this and you will live. But that's not sufficient for the scholar of law. So he, he presses, he asks another question, and who is my neighbor? Now, I don't think it was because he had this sort of genuine interest in necessarily Jesus' answer. Um, I think he probably had his own idea, and probably it was... Not everyone's my neighbor. It's restricted to certain people. And oftentimes, this is what happens uh, with lawyers. They, they, they try to help you find what's the minimum you have to do, right, to avoid liability, okay? Which is not a good way to approach God's law. So Jesus answers by telling a story. He gives a case study, and this is very common in the study of law. So there's various laws from different sources, constitution, state, state statutes, things like that. And um, sometimes these laws may seem to conflict. You know, to understand how these laws work in practice, how they would be applied, you have to come up with situations. You come up with a scenario. This is often how law school is taught. You learn laws, and then you're given a case study. So-and-so you know, has an interaction with so-and-so, something happens, and now they're suing them, right? And you have to identify the legal issues and apply them. So this is what's going on here. So Jesus is engaging the scholar of law in his own discipline. Okay, so he gives them this case study. And it's a very realistic case study. So it involves a man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, who is attacked by robbers who strip him naked. So this, this, is, this was very common. It was a dangerous road. There was a lot of twists and turns in the road, which made it easy for robbers to ambush travelers. And the robbers were very brutal. They would beat people, and yes, they would actually take their clothes. They'd strip them because they could sell their clothes. Okay. And in this scenario also, it's very real realistic that a priest and a Levite would be passing by, that they would have been finishing their duties in the temple, right? and they would have been traveling this road. Okay, so Jesus sets this up. This man's been attacked. It's very important, Jesus says, he's half dead. 
So when he tells us, says the priest passes by on the other side, and the Levite does too, we tend to think, well, they were so selfish, right, that they just, just completely avoided even inconveniencing themselves at all. You know? there, there's more going on. Now, some people have speculated that they acted out of fear, that sometimes robbers would have someone pretend that he had been attacked, and then when you go to help him, then they attack you, right? Maybe. More likely, though, what was going on here has to do with um, Jewish impurity laws regarding the contact with corpses. Okay, so a dead body rendered you ritually impure for seven days, and you had to do certain ablutions and, and wash your clothes and do other things to be considered ritually pure again. Now, even so, though, Jewish law was very clear, you had a duty to bury the dead. It was a work of mercy, right? So you were supposed to be willing to even become ritually impure to bury the dead. Now, there's a little bit of a twist in this, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, and so they, um, uh, they don't, they pass by the other side of the road because they can't tell if he's alive or dead. Uh, they have to get very close to tell if he's alive or dead, so they might contract ritual impurity. And also, too, he, he's almost dead, so as they are helping him, he could die, and then they would contract ritual impurity. Right? So this seems to be what's going on here. And this seems to be actually what Jesus is trying to bring out. Now, there is this general duty to love your neighbor as yourself, and there seems to be a conflict with ritual impurity laws, in particular for the priest. So other Jews were permitted to contract ritual impurity, to bury the dead, but priests were specifically told not to do it unless it was a close relative. Priests were specifically, someone else should do it, not the priest. The priest would have duties, again, in the temple, or other, other reasons why they, in particular, should avoid this ritual impurity. And so, so that's the situation that's being set up. Now, as Jesus tells a story, this was a common way to do a case study. Involve a priest, a Levite, and then, normally, a regular Israeli. You know, um, Israelite, a regular Jew, right? That's, they were expecting the third person to be that. And I think they were expecting the third person to do the right thing. And I think that the way that Jesus sets this up, he's trying to show clearly it was the right thing to help the man who was beaten on the side of the road. Um, and then Jesus really shocks them because the third character is not an Israeli, but a Samaritan. Okay. So remember, now you guys know this, but uh, the Jews and Samaritans at Jesus' time did not get along at all. Samaritans were considered half-breeds, so they were a descendant of the northern tribes who intermixed with foreigners over several generations, several hundred years. And there was also another big dispute between Jews and Samaritans. So Samaritans had built a center of worship in Samaria, whereas Jews believed that God was to be worshipped in Jerusalem, in the temple. So this was another ongoing dispute they had. But also this. A Samaritan, in the view of Jesus' listeners, a Samaritan would be the last person to do the right thing. And so this, this, this shocking thing where the priest and Levite don't do the right thing, but the Samaritan does. And, um, and so this is, and not just, not just he, he does it, but he, he, he really goes above and beyond. Right? So he not only renders immediate assistance, he spends the evening with him in an inn, and he also provides money, and he's going to check in when he comes back. Right? Uh, now, in our first reading, Moses says, the law of God is not something far off. You have to travel the seas to find it. 
It is not mysterious and remote, but rather that God has put it into our hearts. It is very near to us, already in our mouths and in our hearts. And all you have to do is carry it out. So Jesus tells them this parable to help them see clearly, and he tells them to go and do likewise. And so part of this is that Jesus is criticizing a false religiosity that uses lesser religious obligations to avoid the weightier aspects of the law. In this scenario, this case study, it is clear what has precedence. And it is helping this, this person right in front of you who is in great need. Okay? Uh, but sometimes, again, people would use religion in a way to avoid this, this higher priority. Okay? So we, and we know that from Jesus' other conversations with the Pharisees. Um, and interestingly, that how, what is it the Samaritan is being moved by? Compassion. He is able to see the suffering person and feel within himself that suffering. This is how we can love another person as ourselves, if we can learn to feel what they are feeling. Sometimes we call that empathy, right? But he had this in him strong. It's part of a healthy human development even, not even a religious thing, right? Because God has put that into us. But of course that can be distorted in different ways through our socialization, early family experiences, right? Through our corrupt and fallen world. But we know the truth of this. We know the truth that God, God has put in our heart, it's correspondence with what God has told us through revelation. We know this through our experiences. You know, you've all had the experience. You've been busy or tired, someone is in need, and you say, all right, I'll help. Okay? And usually, afterwards, you're happy you did, aren't you? You really are. You knew that was the right thing to do afterwards. Now, sometimes someone asks for something, and, and maybe giving them what they want isn't really what's best for them. Maybe it will continue them in a state of dependence they shouldn't be in. There's, there's, there's legitimate things like that. There's also an order of love, right? So you shouldn't feed a stranger if it means that your children starve. But usually we use these as rationalizations. We act as the lawyer and we figure out what's the minimum we have to do. Okay? Right? They're not usually real reasons for our lack of generosity. There's also, too, a, a thing that goes on today called virtue signaling, and that is to, someone will post something on social media in support of a popular cause. And I'm not saying that you know, people shouldn't you know, advocate for causes, but the point is, it's very easy to, to click share versus actually doing something about, about a situation, right? Um, and so it's a, it's a kind of, it's just making one feel, getting the benefits of thinking that they're moral, but they haven't sacrificed. They haven't really loved generally. They haven't done what the Good Samaritan did, right? Which was to, was to really give of himself to help this person. So, in many ways, what should be healthy, normal human compassion is, is smothered or distorted by our fallen human nature. And so we do need the grace of Christ to help us be the Good Samaritan. It can't just be a humanistic ethic. That's, we need his grace to be able to be. In fact, a church fathers, and I've preached about this in years past, they say this is also in a deeper sense a metaphor in which Christ himself is the good Samaritan who comes to help fallen humanity. 
We, as a Christian community, are to be li a, a living, a living parable. When Jesus' listeners heard his story, it had an effect on them. Right? This, the scholar of law was changed by just hearing the story. We have to show the story in how we live. And that will go a great distance in creating a more compassionate society.